Uh, so I saw that you had tweeted out earlier this week, amid all of the other tech news and everything, that you pulled one of your video tutorials down off mm. of YouTube, or you set it to unlisted or private or whatever you did with it. What's the <sighs> like? What's the deal? So seven years ago, or maybe it was eight years ago, it's been a long time, I created a video tutorial. It was one of my very first, so it must have been like seven, eight years ago, on how to use the liquify tool. And this is back when, I mean, you remember, back back in the day, very few people were doing anything with Photoshop tutorials. So yeah. there were a lot of requests coming in. And one of the requests that, one of my most popular requests was how to use the liquify tool to slim people down. So, you know, being my top, one of my top requests, I took that on and I made a tutorial on how to use the liquify tool to kind of shrink people down a little bit, give them a little bit of a, see, I'm trying to be very careful with how I word this and there's a reason behind this. How dare you? Um, I know, really, because this this sort of thing happens all the time in the editing world. It's not like I wasn't telling people you have to lose weight. You weren't fat shaming. I was not. So seven <laughs> oh. years later, now that all this garbage is going on with this Nicole Arbor YouTuber who's fat shaming, and there's so many fat shaming things that are going around. This group actually responded. We spoke a few weeks ago about that thinner beauty hashtag. Yep. I don't know if we spoke about it on the show, but we spoke about it um, before the show. Mm -hmm. um, so this group found this video after I, I after I tweeted that this whole fat shaming hashtag is disgusting and you should be happy with the way you look. They found my video and they just Wait, who went who off found on your video? I don't know. It's a bunch of people who are, I guess, for the hashtag or they're looking for people who are hypocritical or whatever it might be. So they found my video, they started linking it to me over and over and over again as if I didn't know it existed. Um, and some of them threatened to get me fired from my job. They said I'm a hypocrite, blah, 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 blah. Now I can understand if, you know, that in that video, I told people that being fat is ugly and you have to lose weight, blah, 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 blah. But that wasn't the point of the video. The point was simply to show off the liquify tool. Um, and that's one of the reasons people use the liquify tool you know, it's not me, not for me to say what you can and can't do with it. But anyways, regardless, I felt because of all the situ the whole situation that was going on, I felt it was the right thing to do to remove the video, even though it has 8 million, 9 million views, whatever it is, and it's bringing me a decent amount of money every month. I removed it as the courtesy, whatever. Um, it was, they, they didn't take that very well. They said, I'm just kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what what they even said. They didn't speak English you, very you well. You Canadian hypocrite. I don't. Yeah, something like that. Maple, but anyways. maple syrup sucking <laughs> Royal Canadian Mounted Police Toronto Maple Leaf fan Photoshop geek full screen employee. How dare you? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So I removed it, and they still weren't happy. They threatened to re-upload the video and do a bunch of commentary on it. So they can do what they want, but I removed it. And that's that. And, and the sad thing about that is, I mean, I think we all know my stance on the political correctness. It, while I think, Howard, you I, it, you know, you and I, we've talked a lot about this. I'm not going to be one who goes out there and just levels and lambasts people for what they're doing, um, and cer certainly not publicly. Um, however, 
I, I do also uh, in the same breath feel like people need to grow a thicker skin. Um, with all that in mind, I do try to be fair and, and balanced, not to steal a phrase from Fox News because they're a bunch of shams, um, but <laughs> but I do try to be actually fair and balanced in critique or any kind of commentary that I'm giving, and if, you know, I, I don't know, it, it, the whole thing, Nicole Arbor, I actually was listening to another guy who I follow talk about her, and he said, you know, he said, whatever she said with regard to overweight people, fat people, he's like, whatever. If you get offended by it, you get offended by it. Everybody's going to find something to be offended by these days anyway. Um, mm-hmm. he, he said, personally, what offended me more is that she got 20 million views between Facebook and YouTube, and she's not even funny. That's the thing that bothered me. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of comedians who make fat jokes and jokes about people's appearance and things. I mean, most of them are large themselves, so it's a lot easier to get away with. But those comedians are typically funny. Right. Nicole Arbor, in no way is she at funny at all, so which just made the matters worse. Right, and she's not offering deep social commentary on anything except maybe, you know, the difference between a, a grande and venti at Starbucks. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. moving, moving a little bit on from that, it is kind of sad that we live in an age where literally a small group of people through lobbying and social media could get somebody like you fired from a job just by making a ruckus. Do you know what I mean? You used to have to do something substantially wrong to mm-hmm. be fired from your company. Now it's it's a matter of like PR and you know let's not let this boil out of control and bubble over or anything like that. Um, and it's it, there's there's no accountability. You know what I mean? It used to be if you as a journalist if you wrote something incorrect, um, you could lose your job over it. You could you could get in a huge amount of trouble if you falsely accuse somebody publicly. Nowadays, where where's the accountability? You can write something on your blog and you can completely, you know, lie about somebody, make stuff up and just, you know, there's there's zero accountability. There is, yeah. And I was going to bring this up later in the show cuz we're going to kind of talk about that stuff, but this whole thing with Adobe and the smiling woman I think this just falls perfectly into this whole story, and it's very similar to what happened with me, is Adobe went on stage during this Apple keynote that we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show, and they demoed their Photoshop fix application, and they showed the the part of the application that detects facial features. And all they did was take a very neutral face of of a clearly a professional model, and they just made her smile a tiny bit because, again, kind of like what I did with the Liquify tool, this happens all the time in the retouching. So they were showing a practical use for this application mm-hmm. and people lost their minds over this thing. And it's like, if you're going to lose your mind over something as small as a tiny smile on, and, and you're ignoring all the other issues in the world, get over it. Yeah, I, I actually, after that happened, I retweeted a, a tweet by Philip DeFranco, who, who essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, said, you guys are freaking out about Adobe making, or Apple, I'm sorry, making a woman who wasn't smiling smile a little bit. Are, are y'all getting, are, are y'all running out of things to get legitimately angry about? And and, yeah. and I know it's tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but there is a serious point, whether you support the feminist movement or any of those movements involved in the social change and, you know, so-called progressivism and all, just everything that's tied up with that. From where I stand and look at it, there are much more important battles to fight. And mm-hmm. and this is just like we're 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 so rapidly spiraling into just the realm of 
unmitigated, unfiltered, unadulterated stupidity. Can we please just stop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a, yep. my, my humble plea to the people of the world, <laughs> please. Um, but all, all that uh, in mind, I'm glad, I guess, things are hopefully have settled down a little bit uh, with regard to that. Um, and that's just kind of nuts. I saw you tweeting about it. I'm just kind of like, wow. I, I, yeah, it seems like things have settled down. Uh, the guy, the main guy behind all this did tweet me today. Um, he was, I guess, angry that I filed a copyright complaint on one of the re-uploaded videos that someone uploaded. Um, but it sounds like they're kind of backing down. Hopefully they don't take this any further. I don't, I, I'm sure it'll just boil down. But, you know, that's what it is. Gotcha. Well, after an eight-minute introduction to the show i guess we should announce this is <laughs> the we geeks podcast it's episode 30 the big 3-0 uh i'm nathaniel dodds and he's howard pinsky you can follow us on twitter i am at tutvid that's t-u-t-v-i-d and howard is at ice flow studios Indeed. We are also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash geeks, where you can find all of our past episodes, and you can also comment along yeah, on this one. I, I was looking at it. We've got a couple people that pretty regularly comment along um, and leave some good comments and things. I was checking it out a little earlier today. Um, it's good stuff. It is, yeah. Um, but we do have some news, which... We do. Um, it's, it's unfortunate news, but I think it's... I think we both agree on this news because, and we'll explain our reasoning. Um, we are taking a break from the We Geeks podcast, and you know the, the support has been great. The comments have been great, especially people like Roberto, who are who's constantly commenting on our episodes Michael. on SoundCloud. Michael, yeah, uh, he's he's always on Twitter hitting us up. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we have some decent support on Patreon, but I think. Both of us put in a lot of hours every week. I think, Nathaniel, you were telling me you put in up to, up to seven hours finding news every week. And, of course, the recording takes a bunch of time. And you are doing all the sound editing, which takes, I can imagine, a long time. Um, and we both work. I mean, you're, you're cranking out tutorials like crazy. You do photo shoots and things like that. I'm pretty much working two jobs. I do my thing at full, full screen, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. And then I do a bunch of contracting work for companies like Adobe it's difficult, especially without, you know, we're getting okay listens, but it's not enough to, I feel, I, I'm having deja vu because I had this conversation on my YouTube channel when I put my videos on hold, but it's a lot of work. And at this point, we just don't have the extra time we can dedicate to making this every single week. Right. It's not, it's not a matter of the podcast being put to death, so to speak, or ended entirely. Right. It's more or less putting the baby down to nap. Because uh, and it, it is like you said, it's a matter of just time and you know finding the time to put on a good show. I don't want to feel like I'm coming into the show every week and just regurgitating a bunch of news headlines. I want to deliver you know entertainment and content and personality. And you know I I really wanted to do a lot more of the the content or the excuse me yeah I guess more content based shows like we had done the stuff about freelancing and we'd done you know the mm-hmm. ten tips to become a better designer. Um, and every week it's like, all right, let's try to do one of those this week. And we really, we wanted to get to the point where we're doing one or two of them a month and it just wasn't happening. We just, just flat out didn't have the time. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of like the first thing to shave off, um, trying to make room for everything else. And oh, by the way, in 12 weeks, 
uh, in theory, I, I'll have a, a child here as well. So there's, oh, that's, just, that's no there's just a lot that's kind of growing and changing, <laughs> but it's it's all really exciting stuff. Um, and whether or not the We Geeks podcast will come back just as a We Geeks podcast or manifest itself in terms of another podcast or something where we partner on something, you know, I don't know. Um, and I guess we'll just that we'll just see what happens for the future. But yeah, I mean, we just thought we you know come right out with it drop the bomb let it kind of land wherever it may and uh you know we, we won't keep taking your patreon money uh when there's no well i guess the patreon money doesn't come unless content comes out is that correct isn't that how it well works? no there's there's a few different options on patreon one is content based uh, and then one is monthly i do the monthly one so gotcha. for everyone who is on patreon i will put a hold on that so you don't have to worry that you're going to be charged next month um but let's go ahead and, and shout out those patrons we have, it looks like we have six. It says seven, but there's six on the screen, so maybe one their payment didn't go through. But regardless, we have Roberto Blake, Caleb Surface, Steve Johns, Craig Jones, Genevieve Perron, Mignaron, and Michael Williamson. So to everyone who has been supporting us on Patreon, thank you. We will be putting this on hold so you don't have to worry about your credit card being charged for several months and we have no content um but we may be back the good news is this is our third podcast i believe and every single mm -hmm. podcast since we started has been better right we did, so, we did one episode of the first one eight of the second <laughs> that was a big hit eight of the second and we got mm -hmm. all the way to 30 here with this one so and the content i think has been better yeah so i think once we we settle down once we kind of get some work off our plate maybe once we start building up our audience again it'll be a little bit easier to justify some of the time that we take every week but you know who knows yeah it's a simple matter of the time could be better spent and i think uh spent to produce more valuable content in other yep. ways for both of us Totally. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, I guess moving on from that, let's jump into the news. Um, I don't know. I remember we used when Periscope and Meerkat first came out, they dropped right near each other. I don't remember if we Meerkatted the first evening that it came out. It was Periscope. Like, I thought it was Periscope. Yep. I, we talked about Meerkat. We used Periscope. Um, well, Periscope today, and today is Thursday, mm -hmm. is September yep, 10th. This oh, morning. actually, today's September 10th, which means tomorrow is September 11th. Mm. Which yes. is uh, a day that will live on, as FDR says, uh, said in infamy. Uh, so I just figured we should acknowledge that. Uh, what a day! I mean, phew, insane. And we're coming up on the 15th year anniversary, which is ridiculous. 14 years ago, it went down. Uh, well, I really shouldn't say that. It, it happened. It went. Uh, the, the whole September 11th ordeal happened uh, 14 years ago, and it just. Wow, I mean, it literally changed the world that we live in, uh, as far as security is handled and everything else, um, and just you know, wow. Um, but anyway, Periscope. So we Periscoped the uh, the first the first day that Periscope came out, and I don't remember which week that was. It was a number of months ago, though. And it was, yeah. I remember sitting there, and I flipped the camera on or my phone on its side hoping that it would be able to capture more of like a natural view, right? We always rip on people with the portrait photos, <laughs> uh, portrait orientation photos, I should say. Portrait orientation video is the worst. Well, now Periscope, as of today, allows you to kick it into landscape mode by rotating your phone, which is super cool. Um, I was checking it out with a couple people that I follow on Periscope earlier today, really this morning, and um, it works really well, and it looks good. It looks natural. It looks like it just... Uh, fits. I don't think the update has come out for Android yet, um, but it looks really good on iOS. 
It does, and the nice thing about Periscope, and I really can't speak for Meerkat because I don't use it, and I certainly don't follow the news, but I don't see much about Meerkat in my Twitter feed. But the nice thing about Periscope, uh, it's it's owned by Twitter, I believe, mm -hmm. and they seem to be paying attention to what users want. There were a bunch of features that my wife really wanted to see come to Periscope and she's been she was tweeting in the, at them and just like men mentioning it and of course she wasn't the only one a bunch of people were asking for these features but they named the and one toolbar the Michelle toolbar after her because they got her they request they certainly did <laughs> um but you know, a bunch of those features have already come out, and of course, landscape mode. And you know, people say why landscape mode should have been here from the beginning, or it should have been here a lot sooner. But people don't realize how long it actually takes to release these updates because it's not a simple line of code that that supports the video turning landscape. Everything has to be redesigned. The whole UI has to be redesigned. They have to figure out which side of the screen certain things will go on. There's a lot involved, and of course, they have to prioritize things within the company to figure out what they're gonna release and when. So it's nice to see that Periscope and Twitter are releasing these features that people are wanting. Um, I haven't really used Periscope much. I know you were tweeting earlier, I think it was earlier today or yesterday, that you wanna start using Periscope a little bit more. Yeah. I need to get on that, but it's it's something that'll do eventually. Yeah, it's just, it's such an interesting, easy to fire up application. You start it up and you just live stream mm. what you're doing. Um, and sure, the audience is gonna start out small, but people who do it well, they get pretty pretty solid follows, you know, and, and it looks like you get the stats as far as how many people are in the room, not just at every exact moment, but, you know, people come and go. Um, so to get a, a good statistical overview and see that, all right, maybe there was 100 people in the room at any given time, but over the course of my Periscope broadcast, I had 2,000 people that came through. That's pretty cool, and I feel like it's a it's a nice way to reach out. I was actually just talking to um, somebody. I'm getting ready to potentially start this uh, this partnership, I guess you could call it, with um, a radio host who used to be a big national headline, you know, number one show guy. He was actually in the Madden video game, um, and we were. I was talking to him, and and he's all about the live broadcasting. And and one of the things I told him was I don't. On a very rare occasion would I see you building an audience through live broadcasting. Live broadcasting, yep. as far as I see it, at least seems to be sort of a cookie you give to the people who follow you, um, and, and you may pick up some additional people along the way. Now, as of one of the new changes in Periscope that may be changing a little bit because you're able to share out and recommend this Periscope broadcast to people, everyone on your Facebook page and everyone on your Twitter feed. So the sharing options, um, and I believe that's both of those features are new just to this feature today where you can just, you know, recommend this Periscope and, and send it out on my Twitter feed or Facebook timeline. So I think stuff like that could really help because you could have legitimate organic reach um, and I, that's honestly, you know, in 10 years from now, maybe less time than that, I really think stuff like Periscope is going to be the way of the future. The, 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 the person, you know, you're your own brand, you're your own marketing agency, you're your own TV show, and you now have the tools to broadcast all that stuff as well. So it's cool to see something like Periscope turn into what it's turning into. Um, and I really think it's going to be a huge part of the future. Oh, I think so too. And once, I mean, once our phones start to have the capability of broadcasting 4K video and who knows, maybe 8K video to the world, I think news stations will just replace their massive cameras with these basically iPhones um, and they'll be able to instantly broadcast to their whole audience on Twitter or 
I mean, 10 years from now, who knows what's going to be around. It'll just wire to our brains. I don't know. Yeah, right. But it's really interesting. Yeah. So other than that, um, I, I was telling you just before we got on, Howard, I ran out to my office supply store, local office supply store, national chain, um, and I was checking out. I had to pick up a couple small things, and lo and behold, on the, the card reader there at checkout, they had replaced the typical uh, – I'm not even sure what kind of payment scanner it was, one that you would press your card up against – I think um, it's the NFC. Yeah, maybe it is just NFC. I, whatever, whatever, just the standard. It was in some cards, but a lot of cards didn't have it. Reader. Um, and it had this white patch over it, like a white glued you know, label that covered it up and just said, now accepting Apple Pay and Android Pay. Uh, so sure enough, when I got home, I, I checked it out, and it looks like Android Pay has rolled out to millions of and millions of retail establishments as of today. Um, I believe in the United States. I didn't see stuff about uh, foreign countries, and I'm not sure how that's being dealt with. Um, but that's pretty cool if you've got Android and you're you're into that. I still have never used Apple Pay to this day. Obviously, I've never used Android Pay either. I don't have an Android phone, so that makes that a little tough. Um, but again, we're talking about the way of the future. I would not be shocked if that is, in fact, the way of the future. And I'm just sort of stubbornly resisting. I'm not. I, I'm not actively resisting. It's just I'm comfortable where I am, and I'm using what I have. Uh, but I know you've you've had some experience with Apple Pay. I have. I use Apple Pay whenever I possibly can, and I'm always surprised at how well it works and how quick it works. And I, even though I don't see the security of it, it's um, when you really look into it, it's incredibly secure, a lot more secure than a credit card. Um, and it's really nice to see that Android Pay is now available. The funny thing is, is a lot of these places that are putting these little logos on their uh, payment terminals, they've been able to accept a lot. I mean, not Android Pay because that wasn't actually available to Android users, right. but Apple Pay, there are a lot of places that I can walk into now that it doesn't say it accepts Apple Pay, and they may even say we don't accept Apple Pay, but if you try it on the NFC terminal, it may work because the technology is pretty much the same. Right. So I think now that Android Pay is in the wild and retailers are going to start accepting this, it's going to it's going to boost the um, what's it called? It's going to boost the industry to, uh, in a whole. Right. So you know, they'll more retailers will start accepting Apple Pay and Android. Pay. Right, and I feel like the infrastructure and technology with that is going to take off and become more convenient and easier and more prolific and prevalent. Uh, prevalent, excuse me, pretty much everywhere you go. So cool stuff, Android Pay. Uh, Canon. So <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah. Well, the Canon Expo, Canon Expo 2015 is happening in New York City right now. It's happening this week. I'm actually not sure exactly which days it is or if it's just a one day thing. I don't think it's just a one day thing. I believe it's happening in the Javits Convention Center, Javits Expo Center, whatever they call it uh, in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. Um, and usually events there are, are massive and go on for several days. Um a couple things from Canon that have been kind of interesting over the last couple days. I guess let's talk about this 8K camera first, uh, or 8K recording equipment. I don't really there's there's not a huge amount of information out there about it. I did try to dig around. Um, it's an impressive looking camera. It looks like it has their big what was it thirty thousand dollar or hundred thousand dollar lens. All the pictures I'm seeing that they're showing, um, it looks almost like a, a beefy C500 Mark II or something that's attached to one of these massive thirty to three hundred Cine lenses, um, which are incredibly heavy and incredibly large. And 
incredibly expensive, as you may mm-hmm. well imagine. Uh, the only thing I really saw in everything that I looked through and all the comments that I saw on it was uh, there's a rumor that this camera will be able to shoot 8K at 60 frames per second, which is Oof. an insane amount of data to capture per second. It really is. and But <sighs> do I even mention it? Because I mention it every single week. They're, they're releasing these these cameras 8k 120 megapixels 4 million and they ISO. still don't 4 million ISO and they still don't have a camera that records 4k well, uh, Is, uh, am uh, I crazy well yeah the professional DSLR I mean because the c300 mark II, we talked about that that shoots in 4k but it's also seventeen thousand dollars so you right. know you and I Consumer making YouTube grade. videos right you know if we're if we're you know a big shot youtuber honestly even then why would why would you go with the c300 mark II over like the Sony fs7 which also by the way I believe shoots 4k and it's like eight grand or something like that yeah and I think um Marcus Brown Lee mkbhd was at the Apple event this week and he was shooting everything on his uh, a7r2 yep. which apparently according to him was unbelievable uh, uh, an unbelievably good experience yeah I, I and actually, that's what three thousand uh, I think it's a little less than 3,000, or maybe it's a little more. Maybe it's 3,200. It's either, 32. Yeah, yeah, it's either 28 or 32. But yeah, it's right around 3,000 bucks. Yeah, I saw him actually, speaking of Periscope, he Periscoped from his hotel room after the event. Mm. And one of the things he talked about was just how amazing the footage looked. I mean, it was, it was in the Sony monitor on the back of the camera, but he was just commenting on how insane it looked. And I did see he posted something on Twitter later on just saying, like, this camera is a boss. Um, so yeah, so the 8K recording equipment... Who knows how much this camera is going to cost? It looks ridiculous. But they're also, as you just mentioned, <laughs> they say they're building a 120 megapixel DSLR camera, which is massive. Um, you know, we always say, who cares about the megapixels? Don't count the megapixels. Um, we're not going to buy a camera based on the megapixels. 120 megapixels is pretty impressive. That's going to be a nightmare in post production, though. Um, oh my it, gosh! It, the hard drive space you're going to eat up is ridiculous. I mean, you're talking about a camera that is going to generate files more than four times the size of a 50 megapixel camera, which is going to be four times the size of pretty much your standard Canon 5D Mark II or Mark III, which most people I would say are used to, which is about 24 megapixels. So you're talking about surface area in the image growing a huge amount. The file size is growing exponentially. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, how that turns out. I just like we don't need 120 pixels, not not right now at least. I mean, eventually, yes, in a number of years. I want dynamic range, Canon. I want dynamic range. Can you hear me? You know, dynamic range, sharpness, uh, low light capability. Um, better autofocus, although the autofocus, I have to say, has gotten a lot better since the Canon 5D Mark III came out. Um, noise. I want your noise pattern to be more organic. Nikon and even the Sonys have beautiful noise, you know, where the noise shows up. Um, so, yeah, interesting, but, you know, it's I'm, I'm kind of at the stage with Canon where it's like... I'm, I'm waiting for everything to be put together. You know what I mean? It's like we've got a dot here and a dot down here and a dot up here, but there's no line to connect everything together. It's just like these big, beautiful features, but no overall cohesive unit. Yeah, and it seems like Canon is unbelievably confused as to which direction they want to take. <laughs> I mean, looking looking at the recent news, yes. it almost sounds like they've realized all their competitors have such a tight grip 
on the consumer market and they're saying you know what screw this we're going to go after people who are in the film industry and and like these very high-end photographers and we're going to offer this stuff that nobody else is offering and we're going to own the professional industry and let sony take care of the consumers and we'll kind of go our own way i don't know if that's the case but it certainly sounds like they're exploring that option which is very strange but I don't know. Who <laughs> no, I honestly cannot analyze what Canon has been doing lately, and I don't think anyone can. Yeah, well, and, and I think Canon has a fairly decent share of the just straight consumer cameras. I'm sure it's dwindled with the infusion right. of Nikon and Sony's mirrorless cameras into the marketplace. Um, and a lot of people just generally moving away from point and shoots because you have a smartphone and who's going to carry two cameras around with them, especially when the one connects to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all of that stuff. It's your phone. And especially with the kids, the younger the younger generation uh, on Snapchat, it, you can't Snapchat from your you know your little Canon point and shoot or Nikon point and shoot or Sony point and shoot or whatever, um, so that there there is that. So yeah, may, maybe it is they're just doing that. But it seems like they've just discovered like the idea of throwing out big sexy specs, and they're just like four million ISO, woo! You know, uh, we got. I don't know what it's gonna get them though. 120 megapixels. Well, and that just yeah. leads into the last thing that they've they've unveiled in a, a massive. 250 megapixel sensor um and i don't know <laughs> what's next i don't know if you've seen pictures of this camera but it literally is just a metal box with a handle on top yes it's painted yep. red and that's just kind of what it is um it's the the typical nikon and canon and actually sony sensors were called aps-c sensors this is an aps h sensor i'm not sure what it stands for um, it's hilarious. Still, <laughs> it's still smaller than like your true quote unquote full frame 35 millimeter camera. Um, but it's a just physically large sensor. Um, and it's huge. I mean, the images at 250 megapixels, 19,580 by 12,600 pixels, um, is quite large as you would imagine. I actually saw a video of this being used. They photographed, or actually they videoed, they shot video of the Eiffel Tower from like a hill just outside of Paris city limits or something. And they were able to zoom in on the Eiffel Tower and see somebody waving at them from 1.9 miles away. That's uh, insane. Right, which is crazy. Now, part of what's difficult when you're that far away, and there, there are examples on websites, and it was either F-Stoppers or Petapixel that had an example of an airplane that was 11 miles away being photographed, and you could zoom in mm. on the airplane and read the type on the side of the aircraft. Right, I remember seeing that. The difficulty is, and, and it's interesting that Adobe now has the dehaze filter, but I don't know that dehaze would help with some of this because you get that sort of crazing mirage that happens where it literally distorts the image not just not just uh fades it a bit but it actually like you know makes it, the edges jagged or just actually distorts the image that you see because you're 11 freaking miles away and actually you saw some of it with the even the eiffel tower shot that i just talked about um and now well yeah go ahead I, i'd like to hear your yeah. comments on it before i before i go on well, first of all, it's it's absolutely crazy. But I have I do have a serious question because you are um, more of a photographer than I am, and I don't really communicate with very many photographers. When it comes to a 250 megapixel camera, in all seriousness, who is who would be using something like this? Well, I mean, I wouldn't. Not right now. <laughs> well, uh, no, you wouldn't. You, I mean, none of us can afford it. But right, well, assuming right, people assuming, can't assuming afford you this, could, assuming you could afford it. <sighs> If you need 250 megapixels, 
you're doing something wrong. Um, <laughs> I would I would see this being used uh, in some kind of maybe a criminal investigation, government application like that. Um, I mean, they've had these massive medium format and large format cameras they've been putting in spy planes for a long time to capture an insane amount of detail from 80,000 feet in the sky. Uh, I would imagine something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Any any kind of application would have to be something where you can kind of shoot slowly and take your time, but you're expecting to capture a ton of fidelity. Uh, and, and detail and be able to zoom in and really see what's there. Maybe medical applications, I don't know if it could be used there and just zoom in and really get a look at, I mean, depending on how close this thing can focus, you know what I mean? Just imagine taking a 250 megapixel shot of somebody's heart that you're operating on and being able to have a digital tech team take it back and, and identify very quickly, you know, blow this thing up on a huge 8K monitor and you can see every detail in the world, you know, piped right back into the operating room. Maybe something like that. I'm not really sure, um, and and Canon hasn't really said who they're targeting, um, other than just like I said, crime prevention type stuff, um, measuring tools, something called the field of visual expression. I'm not really sure what they're getting at there. Maybe some Illuminati stuff or something. I have no idea. <laughs> I doubt it, but you know what I mean. I, I just have no idea what it means. Um, as well as industrial equipment. So very just ambiguous general statements. Nothing specific, um, other than the criminal stuff. Um, but then again, who's going to have – I'll put it this way. You and I have both seen uh, the quality coming out of surveillance cameras even to this day, 2015. Those things are a third of a megapixel. So who's mm-hmm. going to spring for a 250-megapixel camera? Not you know the guy running the convenience store up the street from me or you. Do you know what I no. mean? So It's going to be like NASA sending satellites up to space or something like right. that. Right, and I think that goes back to your point as far as Canon just maybe – Maybe they are making a conscious decision to just release a bunch of stuff that's obviously not targeted at the straight consumer or even prosumer market. Who knows? I guess time will tell. Um, but yep. yeah, it's it's impressive. And it can shoot a full HD video that's 30 times larger than 4K video. Um, however, it can only shoot at 5 frames per second. So that's essentially worthless. Um, Pretty but, much. But it's there for whatever it is. But anyway. Well, one one day that technology will be in our phones. Right. Now we're going to move on to the part of the news where this is right in your wheelhouse, Howard. Um, there was an Apple event. And a lot of cool stuff got announced. Um, a bunch of interesting stuff, stuff that you and I had talked about we were anticipating. Uh, I still hold that these Apple events don't have the sizzle. They don't have the nope. anticipation. They don't they like they don't have the Steve Jobsness. And for everything that Steve Jobs was, um, I didn't know him as a man, and of course you're supposed to say I miss him as a man. I didn't know him that way. I miss Steve Jobs primarily for what he did for Apple, what he did for everybody who used these products. That's what made him revolutionary and 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 the way he could come out and just kill it. And I mean just destroy it. And it wasn't just an anomaly. It wasn't like it happened once or twice. It was an every show thing just over and over and over again. This event overall, and this is not to poo-poo what they announced because there were a lot of interesting and cool things they announced. It struck me as the most Android Apple event that I had ever watched, and I'll tell you why. The people on stage were dressed pretty freaking shoddily. 
There was one guy that came out at one point. I don't even know his name. Eddie something. No Eddie joke. Q, yeah. Had a bright red shirt on. It was like, you know, Arabian silk or something with these floral cuffs rolled back. And it was untucked. Looks like a mobster in The right, Sopranos right, or something. Untucked with his dad jeans. And not that I have anything wrong with that, but you're representing a massive company, one of the biggest companies in the world, and this is what you put on stage? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. It, it just seems like Steve Jobs was able to push Apple and its employees to come out with things that nobody else was coming out with. And since he left us, it's just been a lot of the same. It's been Apple trying to catch up with the competitors or you know, trying to add very gimmicky things that maybe the competitors don't have, but it's not something that's very practical. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say that this event, aside from the whole weird vibe to it i think product wise it's been one of the strongest in in the latest years because recently i don't think apple's done very much at least not nothing that's really surprised me um but i was overall fairly happy with with this event but let's get into some of the good stuff so the first announcement there were a little bit of an update on the apple watch and the ios uh, the apple watch or the Watch OS software, which is coming out next week, which will allow native apps to be installed and a few other things, whatever. we I think we covered that in the past. Um, they're also introducing new bands. There's an orange band and a red band and some pastel-colored bands, whatever. So the next thing, this was the big one. Well, sort of the big one, most controversial. iPad Pro. Now I have my thoughts on this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna well be throw before, my. Can I ask yes. you a question before we do? Yes. One of the things that I still didn't understand after the event: where does iPad Pro fit into the iPad? Like the or not? Where does it fit? What is the picture of the iPad product lineup now? Do you still have iPad Mini, iPad Air, iPad Pro? Is that kind of the breakdown? Yes. So the iPad Mini was updated. Right. They have the iPad Mini 4, which is basically the iPad Air 2 mm-hmm. in a smaller form factor. The iPad Air 2, which is the larger, was it nine inch display, right. something the, like the that. The traditional that's, iPad size. Right. That's still there. It hasn't been touched or updated. Right. And now we have the iPad Pro. Gotcha. Which, here are my thoughts. I'm going to throw these thoughts out there and you can respond. Go for it. Um, it's called the iPad Pro. And to me, the the word pro is short form for professional mm-hmm. at least I, that's what i would understand and professional to me is someone who makes a living and makes money doing an activity or a craft so i i would expect this ipad pro to allow me to continue my professional work in a, that i do on a day-to-day basis on this ipad the problem is the iPad Pro, even though it's a 12.9-inch display, which is big, basically the size of a MacBook, mm-hmm. um, it's has the A9X chip, which is unbelievable, um, unbelievably fast. A uh, bunch of other things here and there. I did see it runs to, to to bump in for a second. I saw mm-hmm. that they briefly had put up that it was going to ship with four gigs of RAM, but then that was pulled down off their website, Apple's website, that is. Uh, shortly oh yeah adobe i think also posted that as well that in order for photoshop fix to run it had to have four gigs of ram Mm -hmm. um which is great but the big problem for me is that it still runs ios yeah and all the applications i need to do my job need to be 
run on OS 10. So there, there's absolutely no way to install OS 10 applications on this unbelievably powered iPad. And you know, to Adobe's credit, and I'll get into this later, they're trying so hard to come up with applications to basically redesign their applications to work on these mobile devices. But when you're talking about an iPad that has an A9X chip, four gigs of RAM, uh, 128 gigabytes hard drives hard drive there's uh, i mean i don't know the technical difficulty behind it but i would think there's no reason not to release an ipad that runs os 10 yeah and and for adobe and other companies that are similar you're caught in sort of this limbo of trying to design half-hearted applications for a a mobile operating system instead of just being able to say hey that takes Mac OS 10. Boom, Adobe uh, Photoshop is just going to work on it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and Photoshop Fix, just for the record, is an awful name. It sounds like we screwed it up. Uh, this is the Band-Aid we're putting on it, doesn't it? Like that's the first thing I thought when I heard the name Photoshop Fix. Um, awful. And 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 maybe I'm just I'm scarred from previous versions of mobile Adobe apps which I think to an application have been pretty awful, every single one of them that I've ever used, uh, and just severely limiting to the point where, like you said, this isn't a professional application. Um, like Photoshop 4 would have done a better job at the stuff I needed done than uh, the original Photoshop Touch or even updated Photoshop Touches. Um, yeah, and there, there are a lot of articles out there now that I think Justin Seeley wrote one and the the overall tone was you know the iPad Pro is is not going to be for everyone which is which I totally agree with right, but that, here's my problem that's every product well of course yeah but my problem is the name iPad Pro again like I said it gives off the impression it's for professionals which uh, sure if you're in the field and you have already a custom iOS app built maybe you can kind of get away with it but you, then again you can get away with it on an iPad mini or iPad Air 2 I think Apple should have named this the iPad Plus. I know it sounds stupid because you have the iPhone Plus or the 6 Plus, but here's something else that bothers me. I was kind of writing up an article. I haven't published it. I'm not going to. Um, but on the product page for the iPad Pro, it, it shows iMovie editing 4K video. If you're a professional, you are not using iMovie. I'm sorry, you're just not. And the fact that you cannot run Final Cut on the iPad Pro, it's not a professional device. Yeah, I mean, my, my question is what's the device for? And I know this is a question that's been asked with the original iPad up through the Apple Watch, everyone does it. Is it, is it a gaming iPad? Is it a no. media control iPad where you're, we're going to talk about Apple TV in a little bit? Is it something that's going to be like the family hub? Are you going to pay? I mean, what's the isn't the price like eleven hundred bucks or something starting? It starts at eight hundred, which oh, isn't starts, too bad. Right, that's like okay, it's like I the mean, tricked out iPad Air is basically eight hundred bucks, right? Right, with, yeah, with network and one hundred twenty eight gigs or whatever the, the maxed out iPad Air is. But I, I don't understand it. I don't. I mean, what's aren't you wasting this incredibly fast chip? Four gigs of RAM, for who? For what? I, I don't get it. I, I I'm really it boggles my mind, and and I, I I mean you can be defensive about it and everything, but at the end of the day, how much more impressive and useful and incredible would this have been if it was literally a 13 inch MacBook Pro without the keyboard? That would have been an amazing piece of gear. That would have been something that 
you could have charged $1,500 for it. And I don't know if I could have resisted not picking one up. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Because yep. – and we're gonna get we'll, we'll we'll talk about Apple Pencil in just a second, but with with something like Apple Pencil, I mean that it's gonna blow my stinking mind. I mean, think about somebody like Kyle Lambert. We interviewed him way back in another podcast that we had done. He would he would go you know bonkers for a setup like that. I mean, there's all kinds of graphics people. There's this this kid actually. I've seen you tweeting about him before, and I've I've been kind of keeping an eye on him for a little while. The Finns graphics kid who does a lot of you know sketches and Minecraft artwork and things like that. Oh yes, um, and he uses a Cintiq all the time. Think about how this would replace a Cintiq and blow a Cintiq out of the water. I mean, blow it out of the water. So I, I, you know, I, I can't say I'm upset by it. I'm just disappointed by it. I don't see the purpose. I don't see. I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't want to alter my entire workflow just so I can say, oh look, I'm editing your photos on my iPad Pro, you know, or hey, I can edit your video. I have iMovie on my iPhone as well, uh, you know. Yeah. By the way, um, and you can put it on your iPad Air too, um, just as well as you can put it on your iPad Pro. And I really want to see. What you can do on the iPad Pro that you cannot do on the iPad Air 2. Because I don't think there's much. I, I was so hoping that when when Adobe's logo displayed on the screen, I was so hoping Eric Snowden was going to get on the stage and say, you know, this device is running iOS. But when I press this button, people would have lost their freaking minds if it just switched over to OS 10. That would have been it. It would. I don't right. care how much it would have cost. I would. Also, another thing is this pencil thing. Yeah. Um, $99, pressure sensitive, whatever. But I want to know how it compares to a Wacom. I mean, you were just talking about the Cintiq, yeah. which has, I think, 24 or somewhere around 2,000 levels of pressure sensitivity. I highly doubt Pencil and iPad Pro has anywhere near that. Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful looking device, though. Uh, sure. One of the things that I wasn't quite able to tell is just from the inside out how it works how similar it is to the Wacom uh, pen but yeah like you said it's, it's what it's a hundred bucks um, mm -hmm. honestly you know what I found out about the Apple Pencil that that kind of uh, struck me more than anything else in one of these blogs I was looking around allegedly the Apple Pencil charges in 15 seconds you yeah um, 15 seconds for 30 minutes oh, of 30 minutes. usage okay. and then so I think like 15 minutes you can get a full 12 hour Use, which is which right. is that's, quite impressive. Right, that's pretty awesome. Um, and the reason I say that is because the very first thing that I thought about the way this plugs into the lightning uh, port is how soon before we have the Snapgate people breaking their i their Apple pencils off, <laughs> you know, stuck into the iPad, iPad Pro, whatever. Kind of um, like the the Samsung Note Five issue that's going around. People are putting their pen in the wrong way. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, Apple pencil, am I going to pay a hundred bucks for it in all likelihood? No. I mean, I like the and it only works on the I, iPad pro, right? Exactly. And, and, and why should I buy the iPad pro? I'm not going to, it's like a classic chicken or the egg. I'm not going to buy the iPad pro so I can use the Apple pencil for nothing that I can do on the iPad pro. Do you know what I mean? It's just, uh, I, I literally have zero interest in that. Uh, let's move on to Apple TV. Because this actually, I don't even own an Apple TV. I have no interest in owning one. But this got me pretty jazzed up because a lot of what they were talking about, I thought applied directly to just what you and I were doing with our YouTube channels and a lot of new media in general. The way that 
uh, a lot of this is becoming app centric. And I don't remember, I don't think it was something they mentioned in the show, but it was an, uh, uh, an independent study that I saw that well over 70% of the time that we're on our smartphones, we don't spend that time in a web browser. We spend that time in various apps. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about it that way because if you had asked me before, I probably would have flipped those numbers because I envision when I get on my phone as being on the internet when in reality it's, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, uh, you know, all these different web apps. I honestly open Google Chrome to run Google searches. That's the reason I do it. Um, and, and that's if I don't, you know, remember to use Siri first. Um so when Apple TV started talking about you know this this very app centric and maybe you can explain that a little bit better than I can um, this very app centric approach to TV, uh, but then just the way that the suggesting shows and the depth that Siri would take um, as far as show me movies that Brad Pitt has been in, uh, break it down by genre, break it down by year. I mean, you could do incredible stuff uh, with Siri and Apple TV. Yeah, the Apple TV has me very interested because the current Apple TV, which I've been using for years, I think I've had all of the Apple TVs. There haven't been major updates, but the UI for the most part on the current Apple TV is not good. The search feature sucks. The homepage is very ugly, in my opinion. Um, you have to go into various applications to find, you know, if, if you want to watch CSI or something like that, and you don't know if it's on Hulu or Netflix or iTunes or wherever it might be, you have to go into each of those applications in or services in order to figure out where you want to go. Um, with the new Apple TV, first of all, the UI, the updated UI, I think looks beautiful. Yes, I agree. Very clean. The colors are great. Beautiful gradients. Great. Please, please um, bring that to iTunes. Please. Oh my gosh. I really hope they, iTunes is a whole other, we can have a whole <laughs> podcast on iTunes. Yes. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's now app-centric, which is great. So someone like you, someone like me, we can technically, theoretically, have our own app on the Apple TV. Now, I hope there's going to be some sort of organization behind that because if you start throwing apps in there, it's going to be difficult to find. But what's going to help with that is universal search. So going back to the whole CSI thing, on the new Apple TV, I can simply press the Siri button on the new remote and say, show me CSI. And a CSI page is gonna come up, and this is what's really interesting because this is not typically Apple. It's going to show you all the services CSI is available on, from iTunes to Hulu to Netflix. So it's not gonna just try to get you into iTunes and buy directly from Apple. It's gonna show you all the options, which is fantastic. And like you said, there's so much depth to the search. If I was looking for a specific CSI show, that featured, let's say, Robert Downey Jr., I can say, show me the CSI show that featured Robert Downey Jr., and there it would be. I don't know how fast it is. On the demo, it was very fast, but I'm sure, depending on your connection speed, but it seems very, very in-depth, which is really exciting. The only thing that I don't like about the Apple TV is that there's no 4K support, which I, I suppose... Many people don't have 4K televisions, but the fact that the new iPhone is going to be able to shoot in 4K seems a bit strange. But, you know, maybe the next Apple, they need to hold back something so they can sell the next one. Yeah, and uh, YouTube is quickly becoming more and more 4K friendly. I mean, it is 4K mm-hmm. friendly, but more and more people, it seems, are actually shooting in 4K. And as monitor sizes go up, you're going to have demo stuff like you and I do that's going to start popping up in 4K. 
so yeah, that is that is kind of interesting. Um, how much did these cost? Uh, there's the it starts at 149 for I don't have my notes up, but it's uh, eight gigabytes or 16 gigabytes, and then there's like one for 199, which has a little bit more storage. Um, but one thing we didn't talk about the about the Apple TV is it's basically now a gaming console which is super interesting. I remember years ago when I first started working at Apple, a customer came up to me, and this is when the Apple TV was first announced. And they said, when is Apple gonna release a gaming console? And I said, they're not. The Apple TV is going to be a gaming console one day. The guy thought it was crazy. Here we are, a few years later, Apple has just released a gaming console, but it is the, it's built into the Apple TV. And very similar to the Nintendo Wii, where you have this controller that's kind of motion detector or detection, I don't know what it's called. Um, the remote on the Apple TV is now a remote control or, or a game controller for your console. Very So Wii-esque. you can play games like, was that? Very Wii-esque. It's very Wii-esque, yeah. So you get like Disney Infinity is coming I guess because they have a partnership with Disney or they partially own Disney, whatever. That's coming directly to the Apple TV. Um, a lot of the games that we play now on our iPhones and iPads, those will be available on the Apple TV with controllers. And Apple will support third-party controllers, which, again, that's something that isn't very Apple-like. But it's nice to see them opening up a little bit. Yeah, and, and I should add, the new controller looks pretty darn good. Um, oh, it does. It's cool. It's simple. It has volume control built in now, which is nice. Um, and you and can charge it via lightning. Oh, okay. I missed, see, I missed Not that. Not actual lightning, right. but lightning cable. <laughs> oh, light, real lightning will charge it, I assure <laughs> you of that. <laughs> outside. <laughs> um, but it was cool the way the touchpad worked. It really seemed like they were trying to make it a very iPhone-like experience at least that's the way they were making it sound in the in the presentation um and it looked pretty natural because i know one of the things that i don't like my little niece and nephew have a wii and the whole pointing at the screen trying to move around to select letters and things is just wonky clunky and the further away from the television you are the more difficult it gets because you know essentially the target you're aiming at is getting smaller and smaller and smaller um this seemed very smooth, very fluid, and a lot of just like the little skeuomorphic stuff, like when you're hovering over a movie poster, the way it would kind of hover back and forth a little bit. Oh, the parallax know, effect, Right, yeah. and I know it's technically skeuomorphic, and it's the thing to hate on skeuomorphism because skeuomorphism is such a word that makes me sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yep. But I think it's I think it serves an important UX purpose as well. That being people like you or my brother or my other brother who are basically blind without their glasses on. You have some kind of larger visual cue that's saying like, "Hey, my fingers here on the screen." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or my fingers there on the screen. So I thought it was. I actually thought that was really well thought out and not to be criticized. Um, at all, yeah. I'm looking at it here on the web. Starts at 149, um, and yeah, I mean, it looks just like the old Apple TV, the the hockey puck, as I saw that you referred to it as on Twitter. Um, but yeah, it's it's as Apple termed it, the future of television, and there was a lot of really cool stuff that they had um, that really turned somebody like me who is who was who was never interested in Apple TV, um, maybe turn and look for sure. I think so. I think the biggest challenge Apple's going to face, and I think anybody who's creating a set-top box is going to face, is trying to get people from their offices, 
from their computers and into the living room again. Because I know for myself, I can't even remember the last time I went downstairs to my living room, sat in front of my television and watched a television show because most of everything that I do is available on demand on my computer um, through my cable subscription. I can watch most of that stuff. I rarely go sit down anymore, but maybe with games coming to the Apple TV, maybe that it's easier to find. I don't know what Apple's going to do to address that, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, it seems like it's getting to the point where you need a wireless screen somewhere in your house um, Mm -hmm. and and then a screen that's kind of like your work screen or portable screen, i.e. laptop or, you know, display that sits at your desk. And every bit of media that you have Really, I think something like an iPhone or Apple Watch would have to turn into a controller, which maybe the Apple Watch will also be able to turn into a controller for the Apple TV. Something else to keep in mind. Um, I did, I did tweet that after um, while the while the event was going on. I said, I guarantee you, the next Apple Watch is going to be a Bluetooth controller for your. Uh, I ju- but I did just think of something. Uh, I get, I can, I. I would assume I can take the new Apple TV and just hook it up to my external monitor, my second monitor that's sitting beside me on my desk. And just use that, right. I suppose, right? Yeah, well, and that's what that's what I was just about to say is I feel like all the media has to be driven through some portable device, right? Like right now, if I want to watch something on YouTube or Netflix or whatever, I pull out my phone and bring it up on my phone and I Chromecast it to whatever screen I want it to be on. And oh, by the way, I can AirPlay that through my wireless speaker system or let it play through the speakers that are connected to the flat screen that it's it's playing uh, on or whatever. Um, so I think that's kind of, like you said, I, I don't see people getting up to go to the other room to play video games. Um, it seems like that's kind of moving uh, more and more to becoming a thing of the past. Uh, and that's not to say that there aren't still going to be people who very much traditionally sit down in their living room on their couch and you know play games uh, like that. But more people than ever before, and probably the number is growing every day, are the people who are moving away from doing that kind of like you yourself have. Yeah, and even Microsoft is noticing this. And Windows 10, I, th- I believe, now allows you to stream your Xbox One games from your, your Xbox One, which could be in your living room, directly to your computer. So yeah. even they're realizing this. So I, I would assume Apple would as well. Gotcha. So before we touch on iPhone, uh, El Capitan or El Captain. I feel I always want to say El Capitan, and that I, I think that's what it is. Okay, that's, it just reminds me of this this old. And I I even probably have mentioned this on the blog or the, the blog the podcast before. Back in the day when I was younger, my dad had a record player in our living room, one of the old, legit vinyl record players, and he had all these like story records, and one of them was Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and there was just like this heavily like raspy French accent guy would be like, El Capitan, you know? <laughs> so every time I see it, it just brings me back to those days sitting in the living room listening to Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, uh, but speaking of it, new update? September 30th is that am I correct about that I thought that was uh the information that I got and I think I picked it up from CNET but I still wasn't quite sure what the deal was <laughs> so Apple hasn't come out and officially officially said that September 30th we will have the El Capitan update but during the keynote um I think it might have been Phil Schiller was on stage demoing something on the iPhone and he opened one of the emails and or who was it on? Who who cares who was on stage? But one of the emails was opened, and it said confidential and super secret. El Capitan will be launching on September 30th. Um, so everyone is jumping to the conclusion that that's like the unofficial official announcement that is coming. I think it's 
fairly accurate. I think September 30th will be the day. It's just Apple having fun with that announcement. So I would say it's pretty valid. Gotcha. So I guess impressions of the iPhone 6s. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I mean, you're the you're the Apple Pro. You've worked for Apple. What'd you think about it? Yeah. So for me, this was the big one. This is what I was waiting for. I was waiting for. I love the new iPhone well, every single year. Let's be real. You wanted an iPad that had OS 10. That would have been the big one if it happened. Yeah, but it didn't happen. So that's <laughs> not, this is the big one. Um, and I just switched to T-Mobile, by the way. I saw which, that. Um, and I saw Sprint which, desperately chasing you around Twitter several times <laughs> tweeting at you, even after you had confirmed that you had just signed up for T-Mobile. This was the most amazing thing. I think between my wife and I, Sprint had tweeted us, I would say maybe like, eight to nine times even after like you said we confirmed we've switched to t-mobile and we're very happy with their service which by the way i have to give a big shout out we went to one of the t-mobile stores here in colorado and the customer service was unbel is very apple like is very you know they're following a very strict uh guidelines but at the same time they're very personal and the woman that was helping us was just incredibly friendly. And the, the switch to from AT&T to T-Mobile was fantastic. And the service has been great. Just to kind of really iterate how amazing the service, not the service, but the customer service was. We, My wife and I went to TGI Fridays right after we got our phones. And we mentioned it during our conversation with the woman. Um, and we're, we're sitting there eating, we're ordering our food, and all of a sudden the T-Mobile representative runs in the restaurant and said, I just realized I didn't swap your SIM card. Let me." And she just did the whole thing right there at the restaurant, <laughs> and our service was fantastic. It was, it was just really cool. But anyway. So steak on the so, left hand, T-Mobile representative on the right. <laughs> pretty much. And my wife did have a steak, so yeah. <laughs> um, so the iPhone 6S and the 6S Plus, the, the things that we all knew was coming or were coming, whatever, is faster processor, mm. great. Same screen size, same body design, which we all knew because it's the S version. Apparently, it's like a 7,000 grade aluminum, um, so it's much stronger. I'm sure the whole Ben Gate thing I, made a difference. Yes, and to interrupt you, I did hear from a tech blogger that the 6 Plus was several grams heavier he, he, he felt it and thought it was heavier and confirmed with the Apple rep there at the event that it is, in fact, heavier because they reinforced the aluminum, aluminium or whatever, uh, on the sides of the phone, uh, I guess, in effort to – look, if you take an axe to it, it's going to bend either way. You know what I mean? Of course. Um, but I understand as far as people slipping it in their back pocket and you don't want it to bend and understandable. But, yeah, uh, they, they allegedly, apparently have, in fact, reinforced the, uh, the framework of the phone, which is cool to see. Which is really cool. Um, the only change to the outside is that they now have a rose gold version, which is a fancy way of saying pink. Mm -hmm. I, I would <laughs> which agree. Which I don't personally like. Um, my wife actually absolutely hates it. She it look it kind of looks like mold when you leave your shower for too long. It kind of looks like that weird mold color. Anyway, it's 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 not. I, I'm, yeah, it's not like a beautiful pink color, and I don't know if it's the photography. Um, because like I know the silver looks a little bit better in the photography than it does in person. The the not the space gray, but the actual silver one. It looks really sharp in their photos. Um, yeah, the rose gold. It's not it's not doing it for me. I would have to see it in the store, but you know I. 
it's I, I feel like it's the girl's phone you know what I mean like it's and, and as much of as as, a, as much of a sexist thing as that is to say like it definitely seems like you know you had gray dark gray and gold before and most girls that I knew had gone with gold um, in fact I actually went with gold as well because I just liked it better than the others um, but I feel like pink is kind of like their way of being politically correct and saying like look we got options for everyone Possibly. I, I'm not sure which color I'm going to go with. Um, I was, I did have the white iPhone 6 Plus, but when I went to T-Mobile to switch out the phone, because they have to take that phone and give me a new phone on their jump plan, I did go with the Space Gray phone this time, and I kind of like it. It's kind of, uh, it's very sleek, so I might stick with the Space Gray. It's a good change up. The, Yeah, it is. I think usually every year I switch it up. So anyways, um, the big things for me on the iPhone 6S and the 6S Plus is in the camera. It has a new 12 megapixel sensor, so the images will be a little bit bigger, which, eh, whatever. If you're sharing it to Instagram, who cares? Um, but it does record 4K video, and there there were a lot of technical mumbo-jumbo that Phil Schiller was talking about. I think he even said, you don't have to understand all this stuff as long as it just works. Apparently, there's going to be more dynamic range, um, a bunch of other mumbo-jumbo... Which is great. Um, sharper photos. Uh, the front camera is boosted up to five megapixels with "quote unquote" Retina flash. Apparently, there's a chip in the iPhone. I know you're rolling your eyes. So am I. There's apparently there's a chip in the iPhone that will allow the screen, the display of the screen, to light up three times brighter than it usually does when the front flash or "quote unquote" Retina flash is on. Whether that's the case or it's just a marketing thing, I don't know. But I don't, I don't know even what to say to that. It just sounds so ridiculous. I, I would imagine it seems like one thing Apple is good about, like you said, is the camera and the photography aspect of the phones. So I'm sure the new camera is beautiful and the images look great. And they've got a great display on the back of the phone, which makes photos look even better as well. Um, so I'm sure the phone, or I'm sure the camera is is pretty amazing, just from like a still photo standpoint. Um, so I, I I would be excited for it, you know, in in that respect for sure. I'm not not groundbreaking yeah. or anything, but um, you know, it's it's a camera upgrade, and that kind of you know gets me excited. Of course, yeah, and anything with better dynamic range or sharpness is always going to be great. I think one of the bigger things is that. It now has 4K video recording at 30 frames per second, which if you have the 16 gigabyte iPhone 6S or 6S Plus, you're not going to really be able to record much. Um, so you'll probably have to get the 64 or 128, but it's it's really nice. And certainly Apple wasn't the first to do this. Uh, the Samsung Galaxy Note 4, I believe, or one of the versions of the Note 4 had 4K video. It wasn't great. Send him, so I'm send really him interested. hate on Twitter if he's wrong. Yeah, really. I'm sure I'll get it. So I'm really interested to see how well the 4K video performs, which I'll definitely be testing. I don't know if I'm going to upload anything to my YouTube channel. Maybe I'll record like a whole video using the 4K camera. I don't know, but it could be fun. Yeah, that could be interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of people who do massive portions of their vlogs and videos that I've seen on YouTube who have been using just their, like the new iPhone 6s, newer iPhone 6s, I should say, uh, to do it. And it does a pretty, pretty good job. Yeah, and one of the last things that Apple introduced, and this is very much so a marketing thing, is something they call Live Photos, which is basically Apple's versions of GIFs, or GIFs, however you pronounce it. Uh, yeah, I, I to interrupt you here for a second, 
I didn't get this at all. <laughs> I, I'm just throwing it out there. I didn't. I didn't understand it. I didn't. It seemed like the like the showing off the product took a bizarre left turn at this point when I was sitting there watching it. But go ahead. It you, did. You, so feel free to try to explain it. Yeah. So if you don't know what live photos is, and I'm sure a lot of people have no idea what this is, basically when you're, it's not a video. Apple wants to make it very clear. It's not a video. When you're taking a photo in the photo mode, Apple will actually take a bunch of photos, like maybe let's say five photos before and five photos after to kind of capture a little bit of motion. So if you hold down your finger on the photo, if you press hard using their 3D touch, which I'll get to in a second, um, it'll kind of play that that those still images in sort of a motion. And it looks kind of cute when they marketed it and demoed it on stage. But if you've ever been taking photos of people um, with an iPhone, usually the their expressions before and after are not very flattering. Usually they're kind of getting their face ready or they're looking away or they're licking their lips. This is going to result in a lot of very weird, awkward... I mean, maybe that could be a good thing. I don't know. It could be fun. But it's just a very strange, gimmicky feature. Now, if only the Beatles had something like this when they photographed the Hard Day's Night album cover, they wouldn't have even needed to hire a professional photographer. They could have just said, hey, boys, (laughs) take your iPhones and do the... I I forget what it's called. Live photos. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been interesting. Um, And then the last thing I think I've touched on everything is... Like I mentioned a, a few seconds ago, 3D touch, which is basically force touch that we have on our Apple watches, but remarketed to call it 3D touch for some very strange. I mean, there's nothing 3D about this, but yeah. I don't know why they do these things. I mean, they just introduced force touch. Now they're changing it to 3D touch. By the way, 3D touch is not on the iPad Pro. Why? Don't know. Um, so 3D touches on the iPhone, it'll basically, it allows you to push harder on the display, just like you can on your Apple Watch, and you'll be able to access other things. So if you're, for example, if you're on the home screen and you 3D touch or force touch on the maps icon, you'll be able to like mark your location or do it, or if you force touch on or 3D touch on your uh, the phone icon, you can very quickly call somebody. Yeah, like and I'm sure basically, you can set a bunch of things. Right, a little like a little flyout of like four options pops out. Like the whole screen basically blurs out, and you get this little pop out that appears. Um, uh, the one that sticks out is the one that you and I both tweeted about almost immediately with the camera, and the number one button is the selfie. Like the, <laughs> yeah, emergency the, for, selfie yeah, for the oh, ladies and gentlemen, for the time the, the, those moments that you need to take an emergency selfie, we've got a selfie button baked right in for you. It's like yeah, yeah. So uh, it'll basically open up the camera <laughs> and go straight to the front-facing camera, which is. I mean, it'll save you a second or two, right? Um, but for the things that you're, the, at least the things that I use it for, Snapchat, uh, I, I don't have that option unless that there's going to be a 3D touch option when I press and hold Snapchat that I can, you know, go front facing camera or rear facing camera. Which I guess that, I'm sure that would they be kind of yeah. right. That would be kind of cool because um, yeah, like you said, it saves seconds. And overall, I mean, I'm sure you're going to get into it. Like the email example they showed, there was stuff like that that looked great for just you know saving time. Um, it really seemed like it would work better if you have people writing you emails that are short and concise that you can read right away, uh, which is not always the case. And with the way literacy is going out the window in today's America, I don't, they're going to need to make the delay a little bit longer than it is right now. Um, just a little bit. But yeah, talk about just like the US, just the user experience. Um, and just like, to me, 
it, it feels like 3D Touch is going to really like polish a lot of these like like uh, waiting times for the app to open, to scroll down, to look for something, to open an email, to hit the reply button. It's just like this smooth gesture of the finger, much like uh, Android used to have, or I'm assuming they probably still have with texting, where you kind of skip around and you know zig and zag between letters to create the word that you're texting. Um, it seems to be like that, but for apps uh, in a, a in a slightly better application than that because uh, I don't know how to describe it. You should really go to Apple's website, I guess, and watch the promo material they have on it. Uh, it's really, really cool. Yeah, it's almost like right-click for your phone. Yeah. It brings up like an, a, a contextual flyout menu. And I'm just looking at some of the apps on my phone right now. I mean, someone like Periscope, you can maybe hold down on that and go live instantly. Right. Or Starbucks, you can go straight to the pay feature. Um, I think they demoed Swarm. You can check in from somewhere automatically. So I, I love the idea behind it. Um, because I think it will save a lot of time. It will open up a whole new possibility. Um, and I'm sure developers will have access to this and they can build things into their app, their flyout menus or whatever it might be. Love the idea. I just think I don't understand 3D touch. I mean, nothing is 3D. I can understand like if there were different tactile feedbacks, so it's kind of gives you that 3D feel, mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound like that's the case. It's just force touch rebranded. Very yeah. strange. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I guess we we would be remiss not to mention that among the new iOS 9 updates, it appears that there's going to be an updated emoji library. Not limited to, but including things like the horns with your hand, the middle finger, and <laughs> of course... How could they not include the taco? There will be a taco emoji yep. at long last. And and I was very excited about this, and my wife was very excited about this. They have a hockey oh, emoji. yes, of course. Finally. Right. <laughs> they, yeah, they have a bunch of new emojis. I, I learned something new. Apparently, Apple is not in control of emojis. I wouldn't think so. It seems like more of a global uh, It is. Thing. There, there's like a... There's like an emoji committee. <laughs> a consortium. To... <laughs> a consortium of emoji experts has gathered today at the G20 summit to, to discuss the future of emoji with the leaders of the uh, civilized world. It's pretty much that. So there, there's this actual committee of like people who approve emojis. So the, um, the taco emoji, it's not something Apple was able to just throw in there. It had to be... So I, I believe it's because they want everyone to be able to view these emojis. So people on Android, if you send... If I send someone... Uh, a taco emoji who's on Android, they'd be able to view it. It would look a little bit different based on the art style, but yeah, there's an actual. Maybe that's why the middle finger emoji is there because it was approved by the emoji committee. I don't think Apple would just put that in there themselves. Right. They don't seem like that type of company. But I'm. It's. I, I want to work for the emoji committee. I don't know. <laughs> the Apple only seems like that type of company when they're dealing with Samsung. Um, but no, yeah, like you said, the one thing I did notice, at least from the screenshots, and I don't know if they were just taking a shot in the dark as far as what they thought these emoji were going to look like. They looked a little bit too realistic for me. They didn't have like that plasticky emoji feel. You know what I mean? That's just like the nice little just concise clean graphic that you can just bloop drop there into the text message and have it sit there they looked like there was i think the taj mahal was one of the things that was just kind of like thrown in there um there were just some things that looked a little bit too realistic for me uh but it'll be cool to see what they do because i mean 
emoji <laughs> right emo no, you can't see that yeah but well, the lion the lion emoji is very cute it kind of matches the style but some of them look a little bit off yeah so yeah i mean it's uh it should be cool it should be cool having that access to more stuff who, who can complain about that unless it's you two dropping a free album on your phone i think we're all cool with that uh so with all of that out of the way did we cover everything there howard I think the only thing that we didn't cover, and this isn't really much of a story, but Microsoft was on stage at the Apple event, which was um, interesting, but also kind of cool. They were demoing the new Office suite on the iPad Pro. Um, maybe Microsoft and Apple are kind of working together again, which is interesting. I think Microsoft is just thrilled that Apple did not come out with a tablet that ran a native version of right. OS X. Yeah. So they were like, "Yeah, let's do this. It doesn't run OS 10. Let's I'm on game." Yeah, no, I would I would agree um, because that was the first the first thing I jumped to is the Surface Pro uh, or yep. Surface Pro three, whatever. But anyway, uh, so onward and upward, we gotta touch on our our final winner and loser of the week before we uh, hang the "Do Not Disturb" sign in the door uh, or in the window, I should say. Uh, and 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 bode our futures or or contemplate our futures. Um, so you want to kick it off? You want me to kick it off? I guess we start with winners of the week, right? Sure, I will kick it off because we kind of touched on this earlier. Um, I, I completely forgot to pick a winner of the week until we just started the show. Um, I'm actually going to go with Adobe as the winner of the week, not because of the whole smile thing, but because of of everything they're doing to try. Even though their mobile apps have been very hit and miss in the past. You have to give them credit for at least trying because they realize that Apple is not going to release an OS on, or I guess OS 10 on a mobile device. And they've also realized that we are kind of heading in that direction where people are using their mobile devices more and more and more. And they are trying so hard, even though we're not a big fan of the Photoshop fix name and we still don't know exactly how Photoshop Fix is going to function. I mean, that's I believe that's the the official name of Project Rigel. Mm. Um, so what we've seen in the past of Rigel or Photoshop Fix, there's a lot of opportunity, like content-aware healing and things like that. It looks like it's almost Photoshop, but not there yet. Yeah. But I I, I give Adobe a lot of credit for trying at least. They're trying to pr to provide something that's similar to Photoshop, even though it's not. It's getting there. They're slowly making it there, but I don't know. I just I gotta give them a shout out for that. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's it. There's a part of me that always feels a little bad when I go and bash a product or anything like that, um, because you know they're developers who have just poured their heart and soul into this stuff. You know what I mean? Who've worked the the twelve hour days for months and have just poured it all out and then to have you know put it out and have some idiot behind a computer you know bash it uh it's got to suck i mean we don't like when people do it with our tutorials and we're not spending six months to develop a tutorial uh my winner of the week this is straying outside of tech altogether uh not only is the nfl season officially kicking off tonight or did with the patriots defeating the steelers um amid all of their cheating scandals and whatnot. <laughs> Got to throw in that little barb. Um, the college football season started last week, and we have a school here in Philadelphia in the city proper called Temple University. They played my wife's uh, school, Penn State. That's where she went. And for the first time since 1941, before the Great War, before World War II, before Pearl Harbor, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was still the president of the United States of America. 
1941 was the last time that Temple University beat Penn State University in an American football match. Wow. So I have to give them some props. Um, they went out and they and they handled Penn State, and Penn State is a major program. And for those of you that don't know or are not familiar with college football, Penn State is such a big school and has such a big team. They have the second largest stadium in the country, bigger than any professional football team here, bigger than any professional baseball team here. Um, they have the second largest stadium in the country. It's absolutely massive. Um, so uh, big props to Temple. Uh, they did it here in Philadelphia. They didn't go out to Penn State and do it, but still – uh, props to those guys. Cool to see them uh, do that. And I, it's, I'm not even really a Penn State hater. Um, I bust on my wife about it. Um, but it was just kind of interesting, you know. Like, hey, they they went out and and overturned something that was 75 years in the making. Um, so kudos to those guys. Uh, loser of the week. You want me to start with loser of the week? Go for it. I actually may have the same loser of the week as you. I it's was possible. I was going to do Adobe getting slammed for the quote unquote sexist Photoshop fix. Um, but I figured that would just be too easy, and sure enough, we brought it up earlier in the show. Um, this Hungarian journalist. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> and this, this refugee situation going on in Hungary, people trying to get out of Turkey and Syria or get into Turkey and out of Syria. Or I honestly don't even understand the complexity and the nature of what's going on. Uh, it appears that it's a bunch of people who have filed themselves as uh political or war refugees or something and they should be granted access into the country or something i don't know i'm not even going to try to explain what's going on what i know is i saw a video of a hungarian camera woman who uh stuck her foot out as the police were chasing this group of refugees across this little field or something um made a bunch of other camera people just sticks her foot out calm as day and boots knocks over trips over a father carrying like half of his family's possessions and oh by the way one of their kids and you can see him in the video if you watch the video as soon as it happens he turns around and he like he starts yelling at her like what did you just do to like why did you do that you know and he's not speaking english but it's it's very uh, apparent as to what he's angry about yeah, and this is actually one of two videos. If there's a, I'm looking at the Petapixel article here. This is not the first time she's done this. She's tripped other refugees that were running wherever they were running. I don't know exactly. Um, but it's just, thankfully, she was fired from her position. Um, looks like she was fired very quickly. The Her manager or the station or whoever one, it was. One of the adults in charge. That's true. I mean, at this point, there's no way they couldn't have fired her. They had to fire her after seeing these videos. Just disgusting the way she handled this. I, why she did this, right, why, I have that, zero idea. Yeah, that's exa- that was exactly what popped in my mind was why. Yeah. I don't know. It's bizarre. <laughs> Blows my mind. But I'm sure you've all seen this um, this article, these videos. They've been going around like wildfire. Uh I don't have much to say about it, except she is the loser of the week, and we both agree on this one. Yeah, so that's that's a unanimous. I guess is that the first unanimous loser of the week? It may very well. It might be. have been. I don't know, uh, but yeah. So I guess with that, we'll wrap it up. Um, like we said, we're not killing off the podcast. Uh, you know, don't don't be sad that it's taking a temporary break. Be glad that it ever happened. In the words of uh, somewhat <laughs> more tech savvy and modern Winnie the Pooh, right? Isn't, isn't that where that quote came from? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Yeah, Sounds great. I have no idea. Um, 
but yeah, we're just got to kind of take a break from it, focus on other stuff. We both have a crazy stuff going on. Um, and I think it's going to afford us both the opportunity to bring a lot more really valuable content. Not that, not that I, I, I don't think the We Geeks podcast delivers valuable content, but we're talking about, I think, on the scale of the valuable content that I'm able to deliver, I think it's on the low end of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's other ways that myself and I'm sure you as well see much more valuable ways to spend the time that we're spending on the podcast, um, you know, than to continue just pushing and pushing and pushing for months and months and months. And I don't want to, you know, I, I don't think either of us wants to get three years deep in a podcast and look back and say, why did we spend all that time on a podcast, you know, never having done X, Y, or Z instead? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a what sparked the decision in my mind um and just you know work you know being insanely busy working more hours than ever before on my end and uh i mean right now it's 12 30 in the evening or in the morning i should say um and you know i'm still up recording this podcast and when i get off i have a design job i still have to finish and then get tutorial stuff ready for tomorrow uh and you know tomorrow's a crunch day for me as well because the weekend i'm going away for a wedding so it's just you know it's it's everything happens all at once when it rains it pours i think that's what i'm trying to say it certainly doesn't. And on my end, like I explained earlier, I am I have a full-time job, then I run my business on the side, and I'm preparing for Adobe Max. My presentation's already late because oh, yeah, I'm working right. on... Yeah, I'm working on a major video for um, a company. somebody. I don't know if I can... A company, I don't know if I can say, but... Um, U- so, yeah, it's I'm, UGI Amerigas. It's, yeah, it's Viacom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that. Um, again, like, like Nathaniel said... It's not goodbye. It's see you later. Right. And and I've had a blast doing it. I love doing this kind of stuff. Um, it's been th- fun. Yeah. And things are great. And um, you know, yeah. I don't I don't know how else to put it. It's it's like you know, do you, do you have an awkward goodbye or do you just say screw you? I'm off into the sunset. <laughs> we will be back yeah. in some form <laughs> or another. And. Um, I don't know. That's it. Yeah. Episode 38. Uh, 38. Episode 38. 30. Episode, one day. <laughs> episode 30. That's going to be it for this one. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening along with us for the past well over six months. Slightly over six months. Has I it been six say. months? Wow. It has 52 weeks in a year. So just you know, do the math. It's, we've gone more than half a year. Um, it's been cool. It's been fun. It's been real. It's been fun. I don't know that's been real fun. Uh, but hey, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's good. So uh, that's it for this one. I, I will catch you guys later. I'm sure Howard will as well. Yep, certainly will. See ya.